Welcome to the Art of Coaching Podcast, a show aimed at getting to the core of what it takes to change attitudes, behaviors, and outcomes in the weight room, boardroom, classroom, and everywhere in between. I'm your host, Brett Bartholomew. I'm a performance coach, keynote speaker, and the author of the book, Conscious Coaching. But most importantly, I'm a lifelong student interested in all aspects of human behavior and communication. I want to thank you for joining me. And now let's dive into today's episode. All right, everybody, welcome back. And we are going to get into a topic that is our most requested topic within our Facebook private community. So if you guys don't know about our Facebook community, it's for the podcast group. And listen, I'm not really much of a Facebook guy myself, admittedly, but we do find it handy to be able to create free communities for people that are either in our uh, Art of Coaching alumni group, if they've taken valued, bought in, been a part of our coalition program or apprenticeships. Um, and we also have one for our podcast community and our listeners. And so while I'm not a huge Facebook user at all, I usually, to be honest, repost from my Instagram we do like offering those opportunities for you to voice your opinion. What do you want to hear more about? What are you struggling with? So the topic today in that respect is all about imposter phenomenon, or as many of you know it, imposter syndrome. And it's something I talk about quite a bit in my book, Conscious Coaching, something we are going to go even more in depth on in an upcoming resource I'm going to be launching in November. Now, this is not a resource that is going to be put into social media infographics, no, it's not free. We are doing a full-blown follow-up course to our two flagship programs, and this course is going to cover all of these kinds of issues, things that people like you who want to get off the sidelines and make a difference in the lives of others deal with, obstacles. How do you overcome these things? How do you learn more about your blind spots? How do you ensure that if you do go out on your own, if you do try to start a venture, even if you just want to write a book or start a podcast, what do you need to know? Where should you start? all of these things. So if you're interested in that and you're somebody that certainly identifies with, hey, yep, my hand is up. I want to help more people. I have some ideas, but I need some guidance along the ways. Then this resource is going to be for you. So make sure to sign up for our newsletter to get updates on that. We're not going to be shooting updates on that on social media. The newsletter is always where we dive deeper. So that's just artofcoaching.com forward slash begin. Literally, guys, all you have to remember is artofcoaching.com and then forward slash begin. That's where you're going to find out about that. Finally, and we want to make sure we give you a ton of resources, there is a free handout with this. It is a free downloadable handout that if you, again, just go to artofcoaching.com, which is where you can get anything, forward slash imposter, since we're talking about imposter phenomenon, that is where you're going to be able to get the free handout. I know I can speak quickly at times. I know there's going to be a lot of information coming your way. That is why we do the podcast reflections. That's why we do these free handouts. So please take it upon yourself to check these things out. So reviewing the things, all right, we have our Art of Coaching Alumni private Facebook group. That's if you've taken bought in, valued, if you've been a part of our coalition mentoring program, if you've been to one of our apprenticeships, that's where we can keep that conversation going. We have our private Facebook group for the podcast. That's where you can voice your opinions. That's why we're doing this episode today. And you can reach out and talk about, hey, this is what I'd like to hear more about. And then, of course, we have artofcoaching.com forward slash begin for the newsletter and updates of everything that's coming out, everything we're doing, including that resource I mentioned. And then finally, artofcoaching.com forward slash imposter. Carve it up any way you want, guys. But the bottom line is those resources are there. So please don't make the mistake of thinking you can just listen to the episodes and you're going to get better. 
We want to make sure that you're taking action. That's what we're all about here. Personal accountability. I know those of you that are fans of Admiral McRaven's Make Your Bed or Jocko Willing's Extreme Ownership, those kinds of mantras, that's the same thing we believe in. It starts with you. So without further ado, let's talk about one of the most highly requested topics, imposter phenomenon. And I'm going to tell you why I keep calling it that if you haven't read my book, Conscious Coaching, which explains it, instead of imposter syndrome. So hang tight, grab a pen and paper or your iPad or whatever you take notes on, and let's get busy. All right. First things first, what is imposter phenomenon? Well, it's a pervasive feeling of fraudulence if we keep it in its simplest form and context. And most research estimates that as many as 70%, or that's not correct language, as much as 70% of the world's population feels it or experiences it at any given time. Now, it's often felt amongst females as well, those who identify as female in science-based professions. But that's certainly not necessarily the majority, right? Psychologists uh, Pauline Rose Clance and Susan Imes were the first to really popularize this term and also do their due diligence in really pioneering the research on it. And a lot of times people who experience imposter phenomenon or syndrome are people that care a great deal about their work. They put a lot of time into it. They have really good intentions. They want to help. And so inevitably, they're never really happy with it. They never really feel like they're enough of an expert, and that's in air quotes, to share things. They feel like if they do, somebody's going to figure out, uh, you know, maybe a reference they used 10 years ago was inadequately stated. Maybe um, some research changed and they didn't use the right verbiage. Maybe it's just them being scared of being judged by a greater community or being seen as a guru or it's any number of things. But the bottom line is you feel like your work is not good enough or that you are not enough of an expert and that there's other people out there smarter than you, is better than you on these topics, all those kinds of things. So it's important to note that it is not a syndrome, despite the common parlance, because it's not a sickness or an illness, right? There's no nothing in it in the diagnostic manual of medical illnesses, diseases, anything like that. That's not what it is. So when we use syndrome, we have to be very mindful. It is a phenomenon, right? It's an unexplained thing, uh, meaning not caused by some kind of virus or anything like that, right? It's also not a biological type of disease or a genetic thing. It's felt by a lot of people. You're actually in the majority if you feel it. So it's a psychological state as defined by the literature that afflicts all of those with a propensity for perfectionism. And guys, if you know anything about my story, man, do I deal with this a lot. Uh, I still probably don't even recognize, let alone celebrate uh, what Conscious Coaching did. After I made our online course bought in and we got great reviews for that, I still felt like it wasn't good enough. And, oh, what if my best ideas now are gone? And then we did Valued. And I'm like, okay, now I'm really out of ideas. There's nothing, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to come up with things. And I'd look at all these other people, whether it was Lin-Manuel Miranda, who did Hamilton and uh, In the Heights and then wrote music for Milan, or you read about uh, the, the writer who, who did Game of Thrones, and you read about all these people who have done great thing after great thing, made book after book, movie after movie, hit song after hit song. And I always just felt like I'm, I'm done. I mean, I, I do a lot of these podcasts. We're, we're well over 100 episodes in the queue as well. Um, and, and already delivered. I've done a book, you know, I'm, I'm 34 and I, I go to bed nightly wondering if, you know, I, I know my next book, how is it going to be received and whatever. The difference is now is I know how to filter it and put those things 
and those thoughts where they belong, right? It's okay to acknowledge them. It's okay to feel them. It's not okay for those things to consume you because here's the thing. None of that stuff is true, right? A lot of us have more than enough ideas. A lot of us have more than enough capacity. A lot of us have more than enough competence in at least something, something to be able to provide tremendous value. I think people forget that there's over 7 billion people in the world. I don't even care if you identify as the world's most efficient tire of shoes. There's a fan club for that. There are people that, you know, would love to geek out on what's the best knot. How do you do this? I mean, it's crazy. So there really is something for everybody. But the point is, is if you have a propensity for perfectionism and, you know, you have a high respect for those around you in your field, what have you, you want to honor that. And so you typically feel like, yeah, it's not good enough. Now, it can also hit those who feel a constant need to prove themselves to others. And that's a really big one in the coaching community for sure. And it is in many different communities, but I just want to speak to my roots here. So even though these podcasts are definitely not just for strength coaches or anybody in performance, um, that's certainly my roots. So I want to mention that. It's a highly competitive community. It's one where people always, even before kind of this outrage culture thing started, Everybody would kind of play gotcha on social media. You could post something and somebody would come. I'll never forget one time uh, a place that I had spoke at posted a slide of a presentation I had given. And, you know, somebody in the audience had taken the photo and it turns out they had cropped, you know, one of the references there. And I woke up one morning and I saw my Twitter, which I'm rarely on anymore. Uh, and it had like 39 comments saying I was a plagiarizer. I was this, I was that. And I was like, what in the world? I scrolled down and somebody was saying, you didn't cite my work. And I said, time out. This was a third party image. Like, what are you talking about? Here's the image of the actual printout, the booklet that was given to everybody back off and calm down. Right. But that's a lot of what people get scared of is there's so many people out there that love to tear people down that that can become really intimidating, whether you're an expert or not. But what most people need to realize is that stuff's going to happen regardless. I've said it before and I'll say it again. There is a reason they do not make statues out of critics. There is a reason they do not make statues out of critics because critics don't have enough skin in the game. If anybody should feel imposter phenomenon that's warranted because they are often imposters, it is actually the critics, not the ones out there striving. Guys, I don't care if you try putting out a book and you gave it your all, and it's not even, you know, you, you get done, and man, there were some typos and edits, and you're not really happy with the way it was phrased. At least you did something, right? The majority of the world will never do anything in terms of taking massive action. So if you're somebody that, you know, again, has this feeling and the propensity for perfectionism, and you feel a need to prove yourself, just understand, you know, even if you write the most perfect song, the most perfect book, anything, uh, it, it's not going to matter. There's often a joke, and this is, this is a broad spiritual joke, right? So don't be offended regardless of what your beliefs, but they say, you know, if somebody saw Jesus walk on water today, they would say it's because he couldn't swim. That's just, so that should give you more empowerment to just do the thing you want to do and quit worrying about it. I promise you, no matter what, it's going to get judged. That's just the nature of people to complain and, and do these kinds of things. So all of this desire and the fact that being perfect is mutually exclusive from being a human being or even being a true professional in general, you know, is what kind of keeps people rooted in this roadblock, so to speak, of imposter phenomenon. Now, it's also often used as a social strategy. Uh, people think they're using it as a pro-social behavior, both consciously and unconsciously in that 
there are some people that they know they're very competent, right? They may have a lot of research that's been validated. They may have had significant contributions to society. Maybe they have a lot of, you know, very impressive credentials or what have you. And, you know, what happens when people do this is they start to downplay their strengths to take pressure off themselves or to protect against the judgments of peers. So, you know, they think, well, I'll downplay myself, uh, in kind of this humble way or self-deprecating way. So people don't expect that much of me. I see it all the time with presenters. Whenever I go around the world and speak, you see people that will get up and, and they'll never really say, Hey, you know, I just want to mention, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for being here. I'm certainly not uh, a, a know-it-all. I don't have all the answers and that's fine to acknowledge, right? That's even polite. Then I'll do that. I'll, I'll make sure people know, Hey, this 60 minute talk is a snapshot. You know, I'm just here to help, not a guru. Uh, I, I've done a lot of work in this space. I'm not. There's no way I'm going to get it out in 60 minutes, but take it for what it's worth. But there are some people that for 20 minutes will go on and on and on about how, you know, they're humbled and they're this. And it's like, okay, after a point, you insult the audience, quit downplaying yourself, have some confidence and deliver. It's also a way that people kind of downplay it. If they make a mistake or say something correctly, or if anything goes wrong, they kind of proactively plant that bug that they're imperfect. And so when people do this, when they play excessively to some sense of humility or virtue, it's actually a protective mechanism because some part of them feels that imposter phenomenon or at the very least is, is scared of being judged. So other specific signs, and a lot of this comes from the university of Oxford and, and other research, but you know, when you have this feeling that your true or reduced abilities, meaning you, you know you're not perfect at these things, will be quote-unquote found out, or you fear that a group uh, or an influential individual, maybe it's a mentor, maybe it's somebody that you think if they get mad at you or they don't like something or you didn't metaphorically kiss the ring, you'll be blacklisted, anything like that, will discover you're not what you seem to be. Right. So, oh, if people only knew the real me, they'd, they'd know how useless I was. And that's why people a lot of times in presentations will conflate, you know, what they actually do and not, not in terms of a profession, but maybe standards and procedures. And people will do that with business numbers. And, and to a degree, some of that stuff is normal. Again, it's a protective mechanism, but these people really tend to go above and beyond and, and worry about these things. They almost overcompensate. That's how virtue becomes vice. Uh, it's also feelings of shame or guilt or inadequacy. These are negative emotions that often combine the feelings of a sense of dishonor, unworthiness, and guys, even embarrassment, right? Like that's at the core of a lot of this is putting something out in the world, especially a world as fast paced and interconnected as today that you just feel embarrassed by. It's why I tell people whenever they ask advice on how to write a book and, you know, I say, well, one, don't skimp on an editor because this thing is going to outlive you. And I'll never forget one conversation I had with somebody that, you know, I said, this is how much I paid for an editor and, you know, what have you. And I wouldn't pay less than this. And they said, well, I found somebody for 500 bucks and I think that will be great. And I said, okay, well, just make sure that you see examples of their previous work. Because really, if you're putting a, something out there into the entire world, you need to be cautious. Now, I hear you if you're like, well, what if I'm on a budget and we'll do a whole episode on if you want to write a book later on. That's a lot of what Blind Spot, that resource I told you about at the beginning is going to be about. But the point is, is you're going to have to invest uh, if you want your best attempt to be shown to the world. I mean, you have to think about what's the bigger thing here. You can't go for that short term. Well, I don't have the money. Well, how are you going to feel about this thing when it's out there for 100 years and your children and your grandchildren and your grandchildren's grandchildren and, and all these things, all these people are going to see it. So that's huge. Another big sign of it, if none of these other ones have spoken to you yet, is an inability to internalize success. 
And like I said in the beginning, man, can I relate to this? I am awful at taking compliments. I've gotten better. I try to take it. I got called out by some people in the past, uh, folks older than me who just said, Hey, don't brush that off. That's a special moment and it's okay. And, and I'd always say, yeah, but I just feel like, I don't know, I could have done better. And they said, shut up and take the compliment. There is nothing more offensive to somebody who gives you a genuine compliment than you brushing it off by you not accepting that compliment. Now you're making it about you instead of the other person who took the moment and came up and put themselves out there to tell you some way that you helped them acknowledge that it's okay. Don't go to some default line of, Oh yeah, I'm just trying my best to help others. And yeah, I'm just a servant based leader and what I know. Look them in the eye, say, thank you. I'm going to make up a name here. Thank you, Tanner. That actually really means a lot. That actually really means a lot because here are some things that I've been feeling. And so to know that this matters to you and this helps you in this way is huge. And if you don't have the time to say that, just absorb it and say something. But, you know, despite external and objective evidence, even if something's imperfect, make sure that you take some time to internalize success. Learn from my failure. I still oftentimes don't do it enough because we have this culture that feels like you get, every day somebody expects a new post from me. Every day somebody expects a new this. I've been asked, when are you going to write a new book? For f- three years. Uh, my book only came out in 2017. When are you going to write a new book? As if you know, many of us are just sitting around with nothing to do. That's not even true during the pandemic. So you know, feedback, if feedback is not digested appropriately or compliments, that can lead to a lot of this because you don't internalize the difference you may be making. You'd be surprised. There's a lot of times people comment on my social media and their comment is exactly what helps other people. That's why I always tell people, hey, comment below, share your take. Don't give me five fire emojis and a gorilla. And then what the hell is that thing? Is that dynamite? I don't know what a gorilla emoji dynamite and fire and skull and bones means. You know, I I think it's a reference to the movie Congo where the gorillas have laser beams on their back and death is imminent. I don't know. But the bottom line is your comments help a lot of people. So digest that and, and don't make it about you in that sense. So, you know, this is the final achievement that will make everything all right. That's what a lot of these people think time and time again. I'm not going to internalize success because I'm not there. And then their next loop is, well, I'm going to do something else. And this is the final one. Not that easy. Even if you guys put out the end all be all the resource, the amount of times you're going to have to remind people it exists is exhausting. Exhausting. There are times where people will comment and I'll say, hey, as the podcast help, have the courses help, have the book help. They're like, bro, I didn't know you had any of that. And I said, how? Like, I literally have a link in my bio. I share this stuff all the time. And then I realize, hey, world's a pretty big place. People are busy. Usually people have to see things, hear things, experience things three times until it finally sinks in. So that's why some of you who have followed me for a while, if you wonder why I share and reshare things on my stories, it's because for every person like you that maybe has seen that a thousand times, There's four, five, six, I don't know, maybe a hundred people that haven't seen it at all. And that's going on in your life as well. That's why you should tell the people in your life that you love, that you love them more than once, right? It's, it's very, very, very common. All right. Let's talk about some other things. When you feel imposter phenomenon, you may also have this persistent tendency to attribute success to external factors. Well, I was lucky. Uh, It was an accident. Uh, You know, I had a lot of people that kind of did that with me in my book and but un, it's when you're unable to accept that, no, you did good work here. You did good work, and it, it doesn't have to be perfect. As a matter of fact, if it was perfect, it might not be as good. I mean, that's what happens with art and statues and paintings all the time. They're totally open to interpretation. 
So, you know, it's not because somebody just likes you or thinks you're a good person or, you know, these things. Like, does that play a part in it? Sure. Warmth and competence is the ultimate mixture for maximizing people's perception of your utility. You want to be competent at something and provide value, but you also need to be warm. And we'll talk about that in the resource I mentioned in the beginning. There's a lot of research that actually talks about how warmth supersedes competence, or it's at least the very first thing that we're judged on. So you got to be mindful of that, all of you who are super objective introverts who don't want to relate or interact with others. That's going to hurt your work at some point, just as being super relatable and, you know, very good with others will hurt your work. So, you know, it's if you do something great and you still feel like, oh, they muddled me with somebody else and everything else is just kind of accidental, easy, lucky, that's a symptom of imposter phenomenon. Uh, present anxiety about standards, right? So we talked about you are unable to accurately self-assess. Uh, any kind of constructive criticism is seen as an attack. Comparison with others. We see this at our apprenticeship workshops sometimes. Somebody may say, hey, nice job, but I graded you a two on your tonality. Your pitch was a one. And the relevance of your questions, I actually put as zero because you didn't ask any. And people will immediately jump into defending why they did these things or why that perception is inaccurate instead of just accepting it. Even if the rest of the group in our apprenticeship gave them a great score on our assessment that we do, that one will bug them. Again, who amongst us isn't guilty of that, right? So uh, last three here, dread and avoidance of evaluation. Man, has this happened a lot in strength and conditioning and, and performance. And this happens a lot at the highest levels of corporations as well. People will go to a lot of conferences, clinics, things where they can intake information. But if they have to be the ones in front of a group, if they're the ones evaluated, ooh, because it takes down the veil of an expert, right? One of my friends who works in the NHL, National Hockey League, I was talking about this. He said, man, I'd be terrified. And I go, why? And he goes, because I know all of my inadequacies would be front and center. And that's exactly why you go. <laughs> you know, that's ex- if, you, if you avoid evaluation, I, I think that you can't, there's an argument that you're not even a professional, right? It's why I jump in on the activities as well. And I, I fail at, at many of them and sometimes I'll knock them out of the park, right? So if you delay or avoid submitting work, if, if you're not arranging meetings with mentors, if you're not paying for some kind of coaching of your own, if you're just kind of intaking information, and even if you're reflecting on that information, but there's not a lot of skin in the game, well, you are likely experiencing imposter phenomenon. And there's a reason for that. It's only going to get worse if you don't go out and seek that kind of evaluation. Other, the, the final one we're going to talk about is low mood, withdrawal, limited laughing, smiling, reduced self-care, minimal celebrations of success. Again, I'm raising my hand. I know you can't see me. I, I hope you know you're not alone. All of these things are me very, very, very often. Very often. Uh, I have one friend that I correspond with. Uh, and I'll, I'll say this on the air, David Joyce, really good friend of mine, and he very much values great conversation. And when Dave and I are together, whether it's drinking a glass of wine, just talking shop, we're both very conscious of eye contact, mannerisms, gestures. We notice probably through our OCD and collective neuroticism, we notice these things about each other. I always feel bad when I'm emailing David a response or texting him back. Those aren't my preferred mediums. Now, I understand that, you know, they might be his. I don't know. We've never had that talk. But I know that if David asked me five questions, and let's say one of them is about family, 
I usually maybe answer four of them or I'll omit something just in the interest of time. Maybe I got to run or I assume he doesn't really care. And I know that David's like, ah, he didn't respond there because David is fastidious about that. And maybe that's my own projection. But either way, we all know if we're not kind of meeting the standards that we set for ourselves with others. But oftentimes we're inflating how much that really mattered to them. Usually if somebody knows you really well or this is where another reason it it pays to have consistent skin in the game, as much as people hate to or love to bash visibility and social media platforms and blogs and podcasts, when you have a lot of skin in the game and your work and your views and your values are out there, people are going to give you the benefit of the doubt, the ones that really know you. And so you're worried about being judged by, for no reason, you know, one, we already talked about it. People are going to judge you inherently. But the people that really know you and consume your work, they get it. Um, I certainly haven't been immune to somebody commenting something negative on, on one of my platforms. And, you know, they, they made an accusation. I'm like, boy, you must not listen to the podcast because I talk about my failures all the time. And uh, it's, it's just always interesting where people will go with that. So let's move on. Just understanding that this thing is experienced pan domain, right? And like I said, it's most often experienced by those who are highly accomplished and or knowledgeable. Even Einstein felt like what he called his terms an involuntary swindler and felt like his work was not worthy of the attention it received. And it sits in this odd space. If we're looking at a Venn diagram of sorts that we tend to make something look easy, right? So we make something look easy. And then on the other part of the diagram is, you know, what we think people value, right? Like if they'll discredit its value. And in the middle, there is imposter phenomenon. So if you make something look easy and you think that like, all right, this wasn't that hard for me, but you know, and nobody's going to value it. You forget that there are so many people that could value from that perspective, because that that's just the nature of unconscious competence, which ties in heavily with imposter phenomenon. So unconscious competence, self-comparison, riddle it. How is it manifested other than what we talked about? Well, you know, it's also a form of what we call pluralistic ignorance. Now, that's when, and I'll give you an example. I know that's a, that's a big science word. When people tend to reject a norm but go along with it because they incorrectly assume everybody else accepts it. So, for example, let's say, uh, you know, we go to a party and we show up alone and it seems like everybody else knows everybody else. Well, they generally don't, right? Like, of course, there's going to be some people that have mutual connections or what have you. But the minute you walk in, you're like, Ugh. I don't know what to do. Do I know anybody here? Everybody else seems to know exactly where everything is. A little worried, right? And that can often happen. Uh, I remember the first time I went to a shooting range, you know, I, I was sitting here and I'm like, oh my God, I'm not former military, even though I work with a lot of them. And, and my brother-in-law uh, was a Marine and, you know, I'm not law enforcement. And I remember one time I went to this range in Phoenix where basically if you weren't either of those things, you got judged heavily. And I'm like, hey dude, just, you know, have this for self-defense, family defense, you know, whatever, want to be competent at it, just taking up a new activity. I know there's some of you that are like, ah, guns, relax. I don't have like ARs or anything. This is a simple uh, handgun. Either way, point is, is I became very averse to going to any of these shooting ranges for a while because I just got tired of people kind of, you know, I felt like I didn't know anything that was going on instead of just, hey, dude, shut up and go in there and do your thing, right? Just do that. So um, it's very similar to the bystander effect where if an incident takes place, let's say an elderly woman, has a cardiac event at the airport. And this actually happened to me. And there's all these onlookers who believe that, you know, somebody else is taking control of that situation. So there's this woman laying on the ground and, you know, at first nobody was, nobody was helping her, 
And it was kind of like just assume that somebody, you know, was calling 911 or what have you. Finally, because I'm at the top of this huge escalator, somebody's like 911, and they start compressions and going. But the amount of people that walked by, now it's very easy to say, oh, my God, those are awful people. Are they? I mean, you don't know them, right? You, you don't know what went through their head, what they thought, if they even noticed it. I know that seems absurd, but we all know that people get in their own heads so much they can be completely oblivious. We've all seen that presentation or that YouTube video where, you know, people are passing a basketball and, you know, then there's a gorilla that comes in the room. There's a million of these things and it's just called inattentional blindness. Well, it's very, very similar. All right. So let's talk about some archetypical manifestations of this, meaning if these were characters in a movie and there were types, different subcategories of imposter phenomenon, what would this look like? So I'm going to read the list first and then I'll explain it. And again, guys, if you're trying to take notes, don't be silly. Just go to the downloadable PDF at artofcoaching.com forward slash imposter. It's very simple. It's a very simple PDF that will have this stuff, and we're going to go even greater depth with the resource I'm putting out around November. So we have the perfectionist, the expert, the soloist, the visionary, and the warrior. Now, if you've read my book, Conscious Coaching, you know I like archetypes. They can just work very well as surface-level starting points, scaffolding for helping to make complex things a bit more relatable. So the perfectionist, if you're somebody that's like, ah, everything I do should be perfect 100% of the time or at least the majority of the time and, you know, I've got to spend so much time and it's going to be seven years till I put out this album or I could, you know, if I'm going to do a course, I've got to do this and I've got to wait for the right person, you fit into that category, right? The expert. Right. So it's it's off. You know, if I was smart enough or I was the person, the right person for this. Right. I I would already have it done by now. And that's a lot of what people experience with writer's block. They feel like, you know, God, I, I felt like I knew this, but I can't seem to get it out. You know, this this resistance, as Stephen Pressfield talks about it in, in his book, The War of Art, is just crushing me. And so you can start to feel like you're not an expert because if you were, maybe that would be easy. Guys. If it was easy to write a book, start a business, uh, you know, any of these things that you want to do, whether it's a newsletter, a podcast, I mean, everybody would do it. And I know it seems like everybody does it. They don't. A very small percentage. I mean, even when we look at the data of like online courses, think of it this way. Fewer than 9% of people ever finish an online course that they start, let alone take action after that. So if, if few people finish something that they can basically just hit play and watch as if it was Netflix except with our courses, we, we make you engage and you have to have an exam and we try to make, but if fewer people do that, you really think there's all these people out there writing a book. That's not happening, you know? And even if somebody's doing a pot, like I thought that with a podcast for a long time, well, you know, why would I do a podcast? There's a million of them out there. Yeah, but they're not you. And there are people that want to hear from you. And that stuff's not easy. When you turn on the mic, when you set up the PowerPoint, when you put pen to the page, you realize it's way harder than you think. Everything you think you know, well, you don't always know how to convey that to others. Again, the curse of knowledge, all right? So the soloists, these are people that feel like I have to do everything on my own. And these all tie in together, right? Because if you don't do it on your own, you're going to feel like you're not an expert. And I've been there too, right? So if you feel like I have to do it on my own and the timing's got to be right and whatever, the timing's never going to be right. Can we just cut that shit right now? Just cut it. And I'm sorry if you guys have kids in the car and what have you you know this podcast by now, the timing's never going to be right. You're never going to have enough money. You're never going to have an abundance of time. 
You're never going to just be able to escape to a lodge. We hear this one all the time. Oh, I don't have the time and the money and the guys. All of that is just a smokescreen for uncertainty, you know, on a broad level. Nobody, I mean, we have people on welfare that have written books. Read about J.K. Rowling. We have people that find all kinds of creative ways to get things done. You'll never, it'll never be the best time. My, my, one of my best friends in the world, Brad Anderson, you know, I always just go back and forth with him about, Hey, let's try to do this. Try, ah, we got kids. We got, and Brad. Okay, man. And so right now there's a couple with kids that's like, you know, in the Adirondacks doing things like it's just, but it's so easy for us to let our world shrink. And thankfully, you know, Brad's not really like that anymore. That was kind of early on and I get it, you know, having kids, it seems like those things can be, but the time is never going to be right ever. Okay. The visionary, I can see it. Why can't I create it? Imagine sitting down with a friend over coffee and they explain this thing to you. Maybe they can even whiteboard it. Perhaps they can mind map it. But then when it comes to actually them creating whatever that is, again, the PowerPoint, this, that, whatever, they can't seem to do it. And a lot of times that can come down to you not really knowing what audience it's for. It can be a practice thing. You've just got to get it out. Like I hate the process of outlining for a book. That's, that's the thing I'm weakest at. And I'm, I'm a lot more visual. At the same time, if I tried doing anything complicated in a flow chart, doesn't work. So I found, okay, well, whiteboards work for me. Whiteboards work and I can just dump it. I've finally learned that my brain is more like a puzzle. If I just put all the points out there that I want to discuss, I can learn to connect them as the conversation evolves. But if it's got to be too rigidly structured and organized, it's a big reason I don't script this podcast. And also because it's supposed to be you know, conversations, honest conversations. You, you want to make sure that you figure out how your brain organizes things. But, you know, I can see it but I can't create it. You're likely in that visionary category. And then finally is the warrior, right? Something, everything is going to go wrong. I'm going to do that and it's going to crash, or I'm going to put this out. I'm going to say the wrong thing. And then people are going to hold me accountable. I mean, guys, I found out that pretty much on every episode prior to this, anytime we were sharing a URL, I had been saying backslash instead of forward slash. So for example, artofcoaching.com backslash podcast. Whoops. Guess what? I've been saying that for a hundred and some odd podcasts and it's a forward slash. I don't lose sleep over that. And that's the nice thing too. When you finally just get over some of these silly fears and you put out a consistent body of work, some of these little things just don't stress you. You ever wonder why an 80 or 90 year old isn't constantly, you know, they laugh at kind of the concerns of somebody that's 20 or 30. It's not because they're trying to belittle them. They're just trying to help them understand in the vast spectrum of life experiences you're going to have, this does not matter as much as you think it does. So you've got to find that middle ground. So again, if you want those, that list, and it's a very simple list, just check it out, artofcoaching.com forward slash imposter. All right, let's talk about now strategies to overcome. So to be clear, we've talked about what it is, who created it, signs and manifestations, archetypical examples, and now we're on how we can overcome it. One, speak up with your actions and words. Again, an estimated 70% of the world's population deals with this. When you talk about it and you admit it, you can get alternative perspectives. Other people are going through what you're going through. You, me, we are not special. 
everybody out there can relate to some aspect of this. Sorry, I guess I shouldn't say everybody, 70% approximately, but most people, right? Somebody doesn't feel like a great father or a great wife. Somebody doesn't feel like this. It doesn't even have to do with big projects, guys. People feel like they're not good enough all over. Two, and you've heard me allude to this a lot, put skin in the game. When you do, you'll learn that feedback is not failure. Separate your feelings from fact. Continually put your assumptions and ideas to the test. You have to do that. You have to start creating work and and putting it out and, and seeing where it comes. And you have to be patient, guys. I mean, the amount of people that feel like if they're not getting 5,000 downloads an episode of their podcast or they're not gaining 70 followers a day or, I mean, let's get beyond the, the superficial statistics. Let's say just the professional who has always been behind closed doors, quiet, reserved, just wants to do their job. You know, they, they tend to worry, like, am I going to lose respect? Am I going to lose credibility? Uh, the people that hire me, are they going to get wind of this? And are they going to think that if I'm vulnerable about something in a project or I open up that they hired the wrong person? We have such loss aversion that really hits us. And that's why we participate in self-preservation by just not doing it. Eventually, imposter phenomenon, you know, turns into an excuse. We start validating that excuse. We start making excuses for the excuse. And then we kind of make it something you can't argue with. Kind of like when somebody says they can't do something night because one of their kids is sick. Now, sometimes their kids are sick, but we all know that's like the ironclad excuse because nobody's going to be like, ah, oh, your kid's not sick. His little butt over here. Or, yeah, she's, she's going to be fine. Just let her get her snot all over my house. Right? So people can easily start turning imposter phenomenon into some armor. And we talked about that earlier on. So you don't have to have the solution of the problem you want to solve. You just have to be willing to start the conversation. Again, you don't have to have the solution. You just have to be willing to share or start the conversation. Another piece, find the right community. One of the biggest reasons we started our coalition, which is a quote unquote mastermind, but I hate that term is because I just started feeling lonely in our community, right? I didn't want to get on message boards with other strength coaches who want to talk about what cleaning products they they're using during COVID-19. And that's not against anything. It's just, I felt like there were so many redundant service level conversations that it's like, are we really to the point where we're overthinking cleaning products, right? There's a million kinds out there that you need to get, like you need to get on a message board or something like that and be like, Hey, cleaning products. This is my number one concern today. Or, you know, people would argue about 50 drills and which one's the best. And it just got annoying. So I'm like, all right, there's got to be other people in my profession and others who share the same problem. That same problem being many people in their respected fields, whether it's engineering, performance, uh, consulting, uh, uh, hotel and restaurant management, anything, they're tired of the same old internal conversations and they want to expand the conversation. So we created a, a mastermind and called the coalition where now people can come and they can talk about ideas they have and how they want it to help others. And they can get feedback on, is this a good idea, a bad idea? They can go through Q and A's and hot seat and there's actual accountability work because now they're around the right community. If you've heard our episode on bridging and bonding social capital, it's, it's called barking up the wrong tree and social capital. Check that out. But a lot of times imposter phenomenon comes because you're isolating your perspective too much and you're not around people who can save you time, money, and doubt by getting around, you know, others that are going to hold you accountable. That accountability is so huge. So you've got to find the right community that is not going to tolerate your BS excuses. And I mean that in a friendly way. Okay. Another piece, set more specific yet flexible goals. 
So it's fine if you want to accomplish a large number of things or if you want to create one incredible thing. But to think that your plan is going to happen without significant setbacks or restructuring is silly. A little bit ago, I announced that I was writing my second book. That's since been put on the back burner. We're doing some other things right now, and we had a lot of stuff change and happen. So I'm not going to do that. And I expected that. You know, I always said I probably wouldn't put my next book out there. Again, given that conscious coaching is only three years old for four to five years. And I said that a long time ago before I even wanted to write one. And that was me then just saying, I understand these things are going to come up. And if it doesn't happen for eight, that's fine. There, there are authors out there who haven't put out products that they said they were working on two decades ago, but when they put them out, it's going to be good. Dr. Dre only used to put albums out every so often, right? People still buy it. And you know, there's a story about, yeah, I'm going to go the Steve Jobs route. When they first introduced the iPhone, I mean, those iPhones were not ready. They were breaking. The prototypes were breaking when they were being shipped from China. Yet they were telling the world that they had this thing that basically didn't work even when he gave his iconic, you know, presentation. That was a lot of movie magic. You know, that that phone was not working the way they presented it. And so, you know, understand that there's going to be setbacks. And if that's the excuse you're making, not good enough. Many, so, so like I said, countless movie scripts are trash, all these things. You need to expect a massive amount of detours, a massive amount. So if something's holding you back, that's super simple right now, guys, the, the beginning is when you should be least scared because oftentimes it's going to take months or years once you've already gotten started. It's going to take months or years. So don't let the beginning be the thing that staples you because you got a long, long, long way to go. It's like, you know, a high school kid saying, you know, already acting like he's made the NFL or NBA. That's great to have that confidence. But man, is that a long path? And he might find out they didn't even like that sport. He might find out, you know, a lot of other things, not just the barriers involved, but everything else. So kill your darlings, experiment, converse, all these pieces, right? So understand that. And then, like we said earlier, seek accountability. That's just a huge piece. If you don't have accountability, you're just going to keep pushing the date back. You need to put skin in the game somehow. You need to do something with that, right? And find a coach or a community that can keep those expectations on track. It's probably one of the most valuable things we do in the coalition. I know it's one of the most valuable things I've done, whether it's, it's my doctoral program. I mean, I've already spent that money. I've got to get this thing done. And I, I also hired a coach uh, on, on another side of things for me recently. And that was the most expensive investment I've ever put down. One of the most expensive investments, if not the most I've ever put down. But guess what? When I sit here and prioritize what I'm going to work on, that's at the top of my list. There's no way I'm going to let it get away because I put that money down. Where if you don't put money down, oh, it's just really easy. It's, it's super easy to find an excuse and excuses for excuses and excuses for your excuses, excuses. So you have to depend there. So when dealing with imposter phenomenon, it's very easy to isolate, retreat to your own inner thoughts, your doubts, your ideas. All of that's okay periodically. But having someone or a group that you can check in with helps tremendously. Right? The other piece is understand this. You should understand that imposter phenomenon, experiencing that is actually a good thing to a degree. If you did not have some form of self-doubt and go back and listen to my article, The Value of Self, or I'm sorry, my podcast, The Value of Self-Doubt is one of the earliest ones we did. If you don't experience that, guys, that's kind of scary. Only charlatans, only the complete and utter clinical level narcissists never doubt themselves 
Mike Tyson got scared walking to the ring and he admitted that. Everybody, if it's the Olympics, we know that people, their, their anxiety goes up and what have you. And they've done thousands upon thousands of reps. And is there always an outlier that's like, no, cool, calm, collected, done it a million times in my training? Sure. And we see that a lot in, in the military and what have you. But that's a completely different thing we're talking about here. You should experience some level of doubt if you are a subject matter expert or somebody that's passionate about helping others and you want to put stuff out there and you put a lot of time into it, it's okay. So realize that when you're reaching out to me saying, how do I get rid of it? How do I? You don't. You become aware of it. You learn that you, you try to identify which, which kind of archetype you are. You look at strategies to overcome it. You speak up about it. You create a community that can help you be accountable so that you, you understand that you, you're not just going to wait on it and wait on it and wait on it. You take action. You use it as a signal that you actually might be onto something. It's a blessing. It really, really is. So my ending quote on imposter phenomenon is simple. When you give up your right to be wrong, you are going to lose your ability to adapt and become a better version of yourself. Evolution happens through exposure, guys, not through isolation. And that's, if left unchecked, what imposter phenomenon becomes. You isolate yourself, your ideas, your ability to make change. And then ultimately, thats I know that's my greatest fear, going to my grave feeling like, man, there was more I could have done. And I was scared about superficial stuff and, and being judged and whatever. I mean, that's going to happen regardless. How many examples in history do you need to see? That's it, guys. So again, if you want to print out of this, artofcoaching.com forward slash imposter. Remember, there are so many people that feel this. So please share this episode, share this episode to your friends, your family, coworkers, athletes, patients, doctors, lawyers, whatever. We feel this. And I don't know about you, but I never really, you know, had heard a podcast that dove deep on this. And if they did, it it didn't usually offer ways that you could identify it and kind of classify yourself a little bit, even if only superficially and get strategies. We really tried to make this a good episode. So please, 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 I am not above it. Hat in hand, share it, spread it, whatever. I appreciate you. Until next time, Brett Bartholomew with the Art of Coaching Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.